You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. Have you ever reinvented yourself? Or have you wanted to, but didn't believe that you could? Or you didn't know how? I believe that we're living in the age of reinvention. Digital technology is changing the world and the rules of living so fast that you must remain flexible and be ready to create a new identity at a moment's notice. You must be ready and able to change your story and change your life. Hey, hello, storytellers, and welcome once again to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Louis DiBianco. I'm excited to announce that our sponsor is Audible. They are offering you, our listeners, a free download of one of your favorite audio books. You get to choose from 180,000 titles, and you also get a one-month free trial of Audible's entire service. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. That is www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. For your convenience, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio, as well as the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. Because the theme of the show is change your story, change your life, I've created a free gift for you, my listeners. It is an ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life in Business. You can download it immediately at www.changeyourstorypodcast.com. One of the most rewarding things in this podcast for me is my ongoing dialogue with you, my storytellers, my listeners. Let's continue that dialogue. Keep sending your comments about what you're getting from the show and what you'd like to see in it going forward. Send them to Lewis, L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. I promise to read every message I receive, and to choose some of them to share with you on the show. Today's guest discovered the need to reinvent herself at an early age. It wasn't easy. Today, she's a social media expert helping people to market themselves with social media. She can help you turn $3,000 into $15,000 using Facebook-promoted posts, She will reveal secrets about selling with social media that most experts will keep to themselves. And what I'm telling you now is just the tip of the iceberg. I am excited and honored to welcome Karina Essa to the show. Karina, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to begin at the beginning. Isn't that novel? Where were you born, Karina? I was born in Greece, but uh, uh, my parents are not Greek. My mother is French and my father's half uh, British, half Cypriot. And what were they doing in Greece at the time? So um, my father's a foreign correspondent, so he's a journalist, a foreign correspondent for some um, U.S. and U.K. newspapers. And um, my mother was a French teacher. How long did you spend in Greece? Pretty much all my life. Um, I, I left uh, for four years to live in England and study in England and work a little bit in England, but pretty much all my life until I got married to an Australian and then I moved to Australia. So about, about 25 years, I'd say I lived in Greece. Right, and right now you live in Australia. 
That's right. And are you from a big family, Karina? Yeah, you'd consider that. I mean, we, I have another two siblings, so we're a family of you know, three kids. Um, so, yeah. Who would you say was the strongest influence on you when you were growing up? That's interesting. I think I got influenced by quite a few people throughout the years, depending on <laughs> on the time in my life. I think that got influenced a lot by my father, who he's a very, very hard worker. So I realized um, just recently that I got his work ethics. He's someone who... Um, who worked really, really hard and was never afraid of trying new things. So not everything that he did worked, but he always, um, always started again. Like he never let one failure um, make him give up. So I think I've got that perseverance and that hard work ethic from him. Well, what's it? What's interesting about what you just said? That's not just perseverance and work ethic. You just defined one of the key ingredients to being a, a successful entrepreneur, that uh, entrepreneurs don't look at failure uh, the way most people do. They recognize that they must fail forward in order to mm-hmm. succeed, right? That's right. And there's a great quote from... Um Robert Kiyosaki, who says, losers are people who are afraid of losing. And, and uh, that's actually one of my favorite quotes because it's, it's true. A lot of people uh, don't do anything, don't try anything because, um, because of that, of that fear. What if it doesn't work? They always ask themselves that question rather than ask themselves, you know, what, the, what if it does work? You know, and I, I used to be like that sometimes. I have, I have my fears sometimes that I, I would uh, say, what if that doesn't work and what if that doesn't work? And my husband would always say to me, well, what if it does? And then that would completely, uh, completely change my mind about the whole thing um, and change my actions as a result. So th- that's right. I love it. As a matter of fact, if we ended the interview right here, you would have given enormous value to our listeners. Thank now, you. you're welcome. Did you have um, a chi- a childhood dream when you were a kid about what you wanted, what you wanted to be when you grew up? Uh, yes, personally and also career-wise. I, career-wise, um, I always, I say maybe in, in my teens, late teens, uh, my dream was to become a television producer, so I had that as a as a dream. And then personally, I remember when I was about seven years old, our neighbors, uh, which we were very close to, our neighbors um, adopted three siblings. And um, and I remember when my mother told me that they had adopted just uh, they that our neighbors had adopted three siblings. I remember thinking to myself, one day I'm going to do the same and that followed me uh, until until today. So I think uh, I think these were the two big dreams that I had. The television producing didn't really um, go well. I did try though. Uh, however, the the whole adoption um, is something that I'm very passionate about. In fact, my husband and I just applied to foster to become foster parents. So we're very close to getting approved and getting um, a bunch of kids, actually. So um, so that has followed me uh, through my adult years. Unfortunately, not the television production aspect of, of my dreams, but uh, I, I think that I'm very happy in my career regardless. Well, that, that's wonderful. Now, uh, something intrigues me about your bio, where basically uh, I know that I have a feeling that that was a very big dream for you, and that your bio indicates that you were kind of stopped five times in your attempts to fulfill that dream. Am I correct? That's right. Well, I've been made redundant five times. I was made redundant five times by the time I reached my mid-20s. So, um, I just to give you a bit of a background information I studied TV production in London because that was my dream job I just couldn't picture myself doing anything else I wanted to be a television producer and that was it nothing else was an option so I went to England studied TV production and 
in television, in order to get a foot in the industry, you need to work for free. So I did that. I worked for free. Uh, and then I got jobs in, in the television industry um, so as a helper. I mean, nothing, nothing major. But with the television industry, what happens is contracts are short-lived. Um, most of the time, people work in the... The people who work in the television industry are freelancers. So uh, you have work when there's programs being commissioned by TV channels, and then most of the time you're chasing work. So I was found myself uh, out of a job most of the time, and I found that I was spending more time chasing jobs and opportunities in the TV industry than I was actually working in the television industry. And and um, so. I lost my job about four times during that time. And then the fifth time, which was the last time I lost my job in television, was right in the middle of the financial crisis. So I was working in a television company in Greece. Uh, they were producing television commercials. So I had produced about 400 TV, helped produce about 400 TV, um, TV commercials at the time. And then the financial crisis hit Greece and a lot <laughs> and the world, really. Um, the problem is that Greece actually never recovered from that, and still to that day they struggle. Um, and so when I lost my job at that time, every company was downsizing. So it wasn't just the television industry. We're talking every company. I mean, you couldn't even become a waitress. It was that hard to get a job. Um, everyone was just downsizing or closing down. and Nothing much has improved, unfortunately, since. And so I realized at the time that not only was I not going to find another job in the television industry, at least not in the near future, I just wasn't going to find another job, period. Um, and so I called my brother, who's quite a big internet marketer in the UK. He, he's a New York Times bestselling author as well. He wrote the book, The Laptop Millionaire. So at the time, at the time he, he was a very successful internet marketer. He had built many online businesses that were doing really, really well. And for, for quite a while, he used to tell me, forget about working for someone else, forget about the TV industry, um, just create your own business. And then, you, you know, you can work in the television industry for fun if that's what you're passionate about. And I was always reluctant to follow his advice because I thought, well, I'm only qualified to work in the television industry. That's what I studied for. And I couldn't accept the fact that I had studied that hard, that the tuition fees, you know, my parents had paid for these tuition fees, um, that I had worked for free all these years to have a career in television and just give up. I just, my ego couldn't take it, I guess. But then when I lost my job for the fifth time, I thought, well, I, I don't really have an option now. So I called my brother, put my pride aside. I called my brother and I said, look, I just lost my job. It's not looking really good at the moment for me and for everyone else, really. What can I do? And he was just ecstatic. He said, this is the best news I've heard, you know, this year. He was just ecstatic. And finally, I was calling him and asking for help uh, because he really wanted me to, to have an internet business. He he got tremendous success from from the internet and, and he wanted the same for me. And, and so... Uh, he invited me to attend one of his seminars and uh, I, I went there reluctantly, but I went there and uh, I learned a few strategies. He had invited a few guest speakers to talk about different internet marketing strategies and in internet business strategies. And the strategy that appealed to me the most at the time when I attended that seminar was affiliate marketing on Twitter. So uh, affiliate marketing is basically when you, you sell other people's products online for a commission. And I thought that that was an interesting, interesting strategy because you know, with affiliate marketing, you don't actually, uh, you don't actually need uh, to have your own product or your own website. Um, and Twitter was free to join, so I thought that seems like something I can do. Uh, I don't have my own website, don't plan to create my own product, and and Twitter's free, so maybe I'll try that and see how that goes. And and to my surprise. So I was very skeptical. To my surprise, it did uh, very quickly. Uh, in fact, in three weeks, I, I replaced the income I had lost working full-time in television. Um, I, I replaced that income working just two hours a day on, on Twitter. 
Whoa. And so, wow, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what? I want to hear more because I'm totally intrigued. But the reason I stopped you is because I want people to take a breath and to listen carefully to really take in what you just heard and then later go back and listen to it again because what Karina has just given you is really gold. It's it's and it's gold for for today, for the twenty first century. I mean a lot of the stuff you said, I mean, you know, when you told me that your brother said it was the greatest news that he had heard I, I was thinking that while I was listening to you, I'm saying, yeah, she had been thwarted in what she thought was going to be her future, but she's going to discover that it's really, really um, a gift because now she's going to step into something that's going to empower her and give her enormous success. And you know, you said something else. You thought you were... The only thing you were qualified to do was what you had studied to do. And I think, tell me if you disagree, but I think that people have to learn that they have to give themselves permission to believe in what they have and not look for someone else to qualify them. Absolutely. And uh, I thought because, you know, I still came from that old, you know, uh, school of thinking where, you know, you study something and, and if uh, if you plan to do something else, you don't just qualify. You're just not qualified. So I felt I wasn't qualified that um, I was going to be a fake because I, I didn't have the skills or the knowledge. But really, you know, skills and knowledge come by doing things and the passage of time through learning by doing and so um, I, I became an expert really in my industry by doing it. So I became an expert at social media just by, by doing things. And uh, for me, that was a, a huge change in thinking and how I thought about things. Right. You changed your story dramatically. I mean, that's, that's just wonderful. And uh, have, by the way, have you written anything uh, teaching people uh, how to utilize Twitter the way you did? Or do you think Twitter is still a viable model for something like affiliate marketing? Uh, so that that strategy, I mean, social media changes all the time. So that strategy no longer works. So we, um, I say we because we're a few people, uh, we used to to use a software called TweetAttacks. And that software basically created multiple Twitter accounts simultaneously, followed people, unfollowed people on autopilot and was scheduling tweets. So every few seconds there were tweets coming out, etc. Um, and so I was using that software to for uh, affiliate marketing and then Twitter decided that they would suspend that software. Um, they would uh, not allow people to use that software because it was too spammy. So uh, which it was, looking back, it was. It was definitely not the best practice, but it worked for us. I mean, it worked for us affiliate marketers. It worked really well until Twitter suspended that. And so that strategy stopped working after about a year. And so I then started doing the same, but manually myself. I, I realized how time-consuming social media marketing uh, was, because it is. If you want to do it right, it's very time-consuming. And so, and you can't really automate conversations. You can't really, it's, it, people think, you know, is, is there a faster way, etc. It's really hard to automate conversations because ultimately social media marketing is conversation marketing. And, and so uh, I was doing uh, everything manually and I realized, well, how, how are people going to be able to market uh, on social media themselves when they're doing so many other things for their, in their business and so many other marketing tasks in their business? And so um, my husband and I realized there was a huge opportunity to do a done-for-you service because a lot of people want to leverage the power of social media but just don't have the time or the skills or the patience for it. And so one thing led to another. I I started taking on clients where I was doing their marketing for them on their behalf. Uh, on social media, and and that was just on on Twitter. And then people asked me, "Do you do Facebook as well? And then do you do Google Plus? And do you do Instagram?" And, and so, next thing you know, we had a a social media marketing agency, 
And so that's really how it all began. Wow. Wow. And so today, you are you and your husband are running that agency? So I, I run that uh, agency. I mean, I, you know, my husband is, is always someone that I ask advice from. Um, but he, ha- he manages his own internet companies. He's got four companies. So um, I, I run the social media agency and, and he runs the other four that he has. So it's a, it's a pretty busy life, I would say. And I'm sure an exciting one. Yeah, absolutely. When you when you love what you do, a lot of people ask me like, how how do you manage time and how do you find work and life balance? But when you love what you do, you know the boundaries between work and life are blurred. Like, I'm in the shower not working, but I'm thinking of work. You know, so it's like it's just part of my life. I don't really see it as uh, you know work and life balance. Uh, what I do is my life and. I love what I do, so. Uh, I totally, I totally get it because I live that way myself. I love it. Mm. What was your husband's expertise when you met him? So it's funny. We we met at um, at a seminar in London. So after I attended my first seminar, I kept on going back to every seminar that my brother would uh, would put on because I just became addicted. I was like, this thing really works. <laughs> so I didn't, I, I didn't want to miss a beat. Um, and I met him at, at one of my brother's conferences. Um, my husband is um, is a speaker. He talks about webinars, so he's the number one world expert at, at selling with webinars. And so he was speaking at that conference, and I met him there. Um, so his expertise is webinars. So initially it was webinars. I mean, it still is, but then he branched out and he uh, started acquiring companies. So he started acquiring um, companies. Uh, for a fifty percent share, and that he, he owns uh, four of them. Now, what what's his name? Stephen Essa. Stephen Essa, do you are you familiar with an internet marketer from England named John Thornhill? No. Ah, okay. Yeah, John, uh, look him up. He's uh, he's a a pretty big player in England, and uh, I I thought maybe you would have met him. What what is your brother's name? Mark Anastasi. Okay. I'm fascinated. I mean, I love the internet, so I definitely want to know more about this. By the way, as an aside, as you were talking about your adventure in television production, one question I had was, what what drove you to want to do that? You said you thought that's all you wanted to do. Well, how did you develop that, that desire? Well, I, because my brother, my sorry, my father was a is a journalist. I should say he's not retired yet. So, uh, because my father's a journalist, I always saw him working on exciting things. He met incredible people. He interviewed incredible people. So, I was always fascinated by that. The fact that he had access to just amazing people so easily as a journalist, I thought that that appealed to me. I I thought that his job was fascinating. Um, and I thought, well, definitely the media is something that fascinates me because his work fascinated me. And then I, I knew that journalism was not really what I wanted to do because writing was not something that I enjoyed in particular. He loves writing. He wrote so many books, etc. He loves writing. But for me, writing was not really the medium I wanted to use. Um, so th- that's why television and radio appealed to me the most. So I think he was the biggest influence in my choice. Mm. I was smiling for another reason. Um, I am a professional actor. Mm-hmm. I, I've worked in television and film. And when you were describing being in an industry where you're not working more often than you are working, I totally understand and relate to that. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is a very, very tough industry. Uh, tougher than I expected. I mean, I was warned that it was going to be tough, but I always thought, well, if I work hard, you know, how tough can it be? You know, everyone needs hard workers, but it's hard for the hard workers too, um, regardless. Um, but looking back, I think that uh, working in the television industry gave me skills that I'm, I still use to this day very, very important skills. Um, the, the skill of, of working on tight deadlines. So I'm, I'm very good working under 
under pressure, under deadlines and, and quality. Because with, with television, not only uh, do you have to work on deadlines, but it has to always be broadcast quality. Whatever you produce has to be of quality. Um, and so I, I, I learned a lot of time management skills, a lot of teamwork skills, uh, producing quality uh, fast. Uh, these skills are just so important because I use them every day in my business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people, when they look at reinventing themselves or they're terrified by it, they fail to acknowledge that what they bring to the table often is a skill set and knowledge and wisdom that they can now apply in a different arena. And, and, and you have done that very, very successfully. That's really, really wonderful. What would you say were some of the biggest mistakes that you made, even though you had rapid success, everyone makes mistakes. What were some of the biggest ones that you made as you were building your success uh, as an entrepreneur in what you currently do? I still make mistakes, actually, <laughs> a lot of them. Um, well, I think the biggest one, I think the one that cost me the most, I guess, yeah, was the, the, the fear of... Um, the fear that that success wasn't going to last. So I remember when I was taking on clients in my agency, at the time I wasn't even thinking that it was an agency because I never planned to create an agency. I was just taking on clients to help them with their social media because I had the skills to do it. So I wasn't even thinking of building an agency. But at the time when I had clients come to me asking me to, asking to pay me personally to, to help them with their social media marketing, when I started getting more and more work, uh, I was, I was told a lot of people were telling me, "Look, you're at capacity right now. Either hire more people, or turn people away." And I chose to turn people away because I was thinking, "Well, I was scared of expansion because I was scared that you know that success wasn't going to last." I was like, "What if I hire people and then I don't have enough work to give them?" And and all that fear kind of took over my decisions, and so I decided that. Uh, I, no, I decided I delayed the process of hiring people and growing the company out of fear that it wasn't going to last. And I think that I, I cost myself quite a bit. I think that the company would have been bigger than what it is now if I hadn't put a stop to the growth because of that fear, fear of this is not going to last. I thought, oh, you know, I'm just being lucky. I just met these people and these people just need help. But, you know, um, what if... What if people don't ask for my help, you know, next month or the month after that? Um, so I, I kept it small. I, I played a small game, unfortunately, for, for a bit too long than I would have liked. Well, you know what? That is a great awareness to have. Because, I mean, I think everyone at some point, if they're going to succeed, has to look at the fact that they're probably playing too small. Some people never look at it. You did. And that's... Um, you know, kudos to you for that. Now, what tips can you give people who want to make money online today? And I would say, what tips would you give individual entrepreneurs? And what tips would you give to people who have companies? In individually, I would say that uh, a big mistake people make is that they, they think they're going to make a lot of money from selling one product online. So they have one product. Usually the product is from $30 to $100. And then they they think that they're going to make a lot of money from that single product. And after meeting and studying, I guess, a lot of successful in internet business owners, I realized that what they have is they have a series of products. And if you want to, to make a full-time living or build a big company online, you have to have multiple products, not just one. Um, so that that's one thing that I would tell people. Don't put, you know all your eggs in one basket and, and think that you can make it just from a single product. You have to have multiple products. I even, I mean, on a small scale, the people who sell on eBay or Amazon, the, the people who do well, they have to make a full-time living from that. They don't have one product and, you know, they bet everything on that single product. They have thousands of products. And I, I think that that says a lot. That says a lot. So, uh, that would be one thing that that I would uh, that I would tell people. And for people who have big companies, I think um, I think what I've noticed now the trend is you know automate everything, have automated sales funnels and automated emails that go out. If someone doesn't buy, they get that email, and if 
that that email doesn't work, they get another email. And people waste a lot of time trying to get people like that, which is fine, which is fine. It's the new trend. Um, but nothing beats picking up the phone the traditional way. Um, mm. and, 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 and a lot of, a lot of businesses, you know, they, they're scared of picking up the phone they're scared of having a phone and they I see so many people, you know, there's no phone number. No one can call them. They can't call anyone. It's all anonymous. And, and if you, if you become, um, if you, if you become con- contactable, if there's such a thing, if people can contact you, you can contact them and you have actual conversation. You don't need, you don't need as much traffic. You don't need uh, all that fancy stuff. You'll stand out from the noise quite quickly. I mean, I've I've seen a lot of internet companies, and the ones that perform the best, that in terms of revenue, the ones that actually make the most revenue are the ones that actually have phone sales teams, people on the phones that speak to people, because mm. um, you know. Emails don't answer all the sales objections people have. People can be so ready to buy, but they have that one question that your automated email didn't answer. Um, and I think that's really the key. That's the future. I think that the companies that are going to uh, do the best in, in the next few years are the ones that um, still include a bit of you know traditional traditional sales and marketing techniques, which are you know sales sales teams, phone sales teams. I love that. That is wonderful insight. I never really thought about it that way at all. Now, you were talking about selling products online, and sometimes there may be people who are listening, and they're, they're still thinking in terms of all products being physical. What kind of products um, can one make excellent money with online other than physical products? How does there's so many. I mean, of course, digital products like information products like ebooks and uh, audio recordings um, and videos. You can make a lot of money from that. Even membership sites, you know, uh, storing information on a membership site and then charging monthly for that. A lot of people make a, a lot of money. I know a, a vet in, in the UK, Anthony Chadwick, he's got 2,000 people paying 47 pounds a month each uh, to access his online training on a membership site. So you can make a lot of money. I mean, his company is worth a few million dollars now. And what he does is he uploads video training on a membership site and charges people 47 pounds a month to access that training. So uh, there's a lot of money to be made with digital products and also service-based products. Uh, Someone I know in the U.S., she... um, she sold. Um, she sold a service, a, a, a service where she would um, basically create websites for people when when websites were were really trendy a few years ago when, when everyone wanted a website. Um, and so she uh, she she had eight thousand customers, eight thousand people buying websites of her of her company, and and she sold that company for eleven million dollars. So there's a a lot of money to be made from digital products and also from service-based stuff. Like, for example, our company, the social media agency, is, is service-based. Um, the company is a, is a seven-figure company, and it's, it provides a service for people. So, yeah. Wow. You know, I'm still, my head is still reeling when you said, Anthony Chadwick, did you say 47000 Is that like U.S. dollars per month? So he um, he charges forty seven pounds, and there's two thousand people on that. Uh, oh, 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 47, 47 pounds. Yeah. So oh, basically, I, yeah. <laughs> I thought you said he's getting forty seven thousand dollars a month. I go, wow, what is he selling? <laughs> well, he's actually making more than that. Uh, he's making about ninety four thousand pounds a month because he's got two thousand subscribers to that service. Right. Um, but yeah. so, so what, 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 you said he's a vet? So he's a vet. Uh, he's called uh, online, his name is the webinar vet, uh, Anthony Chadwick. And he basically started a business where he teaches vets um, how to be vets. Uh, so uh, he, he gives, he provides education to, to vets. That so is, vets, uh, yeah. Vets from, vets from all over the world just pay for his training. Incredible story. 
Do, do you know, are you familiar with Joe Polish? Yes, yes. I, I've actually met him. Yeah, he's a wonderful guy, and you reminded me of that because Joe was in the carpet cleaning business, and then he realized with the internet that he could sell information about carpet cleaning to business people who were in that business, and that's how he started to build his fortune. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's such people are so hungry for information these days. Um, everyone knows that in order to do more and achieve more, uh, they, they need to learn more. And so there's, uh, I, I think that in the information industry is a $50 billion industry. Wow. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot. Uh, there's And there's plenty of room for everyone. Uh, there's no no such thing as competition on the internet. It's all about collaboration. That's oh. what, I, what I love about this industry. I love what you just said. Because I think that that is the direction that the world is moving in. And it's a healthy thing that when we recognize the power of leverage and we become a cooperation economy instead of a ruthless competition economy, everyone earns more and is happier. Absolutely. What are the biggest social media no-nos that you, I think you've touched a little bit on some, but can you mention any others that people who venture into social media step on themselves with these no-nos? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. First of all, social media changes all the time. So something that someone has learned a few years ago would probably not work anymore today. It just changes all the time. So I think a mistake people make is that they they don't um, they don't follow the trends. They don't follow what's working, what's not. They're not educating themselves about social media marketing. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest mistakes because it changes all the time. So. That's one mistake people make is they don't study social media marketing. Um, then they're not consistent. So, for example, they will be on social media to to broadcast something, to 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 share uh, to share some announcement about their business or their company, as if it was a press release platform where they're just releasing a you know press release um, in, instead of being consistent. They just log in, blast a message about them, and then log out. And then they log in again when they have another message to share. So it becomes like a one-way street. Instead of not only talking and listening, they just talk. So that's another mistake, the, the inconsistency. Whereas it should be 80% of the time you're having conversations that add value to people's lives. You share information that adds value to people's lives. And then you've earned the right to market something. So the 80-20 rule uh, is applicable here uh, on social media. Uh, then um, not optimizing their profiles. I think that people spend way too much time making their websites pretty and their business cards. People are obsessed with websites and business cards. But then when it comes to, to their social media branding and optimization, they, they don't. They'll put any profile picture. They'll put any banner, any profile description, they don't pay as much attention to it as they would their website, for example. Mm. So usually usually their social media is not a direct reflection of how good they are, how successful they are, how many people they've served, how established they are in the industry. Sometimes I look at someone's social media, company social media, and, I, and they come across as amateurs. Um, and then I realize that you know it's a company with 20 years of experience that have served that has served thousands of people around the world and, and their social media doesn't reflect that at all. Mm. So, uh, and, and I see that more often than not, in fact. Um, no, and I you, see that, yeah. Go, go ahead. Yeah, continue. Go ahead. I, I see that their, uh, that their social media is, is not, uh, is actually costing them. Sometimes I've actually told people, if you're going to leave your social media as it is now, uh, it's actually costing you. It's costing you sales. It's, it's costing you. Uh, you're better off to shut it all down than keep it as it is. And I've had to say that several, several times to people. You, you know where I've noticed that a lot too. Besides Facebook, I see it on LinkedIn. Oh, same, same with LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is especially important because the, any other social network is they have a more casual feel to them. Whereas LinkedIn doesn't have a casual feel to, to it. It's pretty corporate, um, very business-oriented. So, uh, 
you know, you can make or break your reputation on LinkedIn if you don't know what you're doing. Mm. Is there a social media platform that you prefer over all the others? Well, um, I like I like Facebook for their advertising network. I think that their advertising network is just amazing. Personally, I think it's going to outperform Google AdWords eventually in a few years. Uh, so if you have a budget, I think that Facebook advertising, when you know what you're doing, is just amazing. Uh, just You can't compare it to any other social network. The amount of options that you have and the targeting options that you have uh, and and for the price also because it's not very expensive traffic either. Uh, I really like Facebook for its advertising platform. Facebook doesn't do much if you don't have a, a marketing budget. Uh, you can't achieve much on Facebook if you if you know if you don't pay to play, unfortunately. Um, so I would say Facebook for its paid um, advertising. I really like I like Twitter because with Twitter you can talk to anyone just using the ad symbol. So. Uh, if I want to, for one-on-one conversation and one-on-one networking and getting in touch with people one-on-one, I like Twitter. It's not a great platform, you know, to just blast a message because a tweet has a lifespan, a very short lifespan. So if you just post a tweet to everyone, uh, chances are it's not going to be seen by many people because it just has, it has such a short lifespan. But if you want to um, direct message people, if you want to, to speak to someone individually, uh, you can, which I absolutely love. I love that about. I love that about Twitter. I'm getting quite an education from you. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to reveal a secret because uh, I'm totally intrigued. I read in your bio that there's a the one thing that will make a post go viral, and I want to know what that is. If you want to reveal it, uh, yeah. So. I mean, after seeing all the posts that actually do go viral, um, the, the ones that the ones that tend to go the most viral are when it includes a, a story, um, an inspirational story, a um, a story of compassion and courage, uh, because people people love stories like that. They want to be part of. Um, stories that show a tremendous amount of courage and uh, and compassion and selflessness. And so when there's stories like that on social media, they tend to go more viral than others. If you're sharing a very inspiring story, moving story that displays people's generosity, that displays people's selflessness and courage and compassion. And so, for example, just to paint the picture here, for example, there was this picture a few years ago of a soldier, um, an American soldier, going to going to war. He was traveling, and he was holding his. Uh, so he was wearing his, you know, um, military gear, right? So you could tell straight away he was in the in the military, and he was holding his newborn. Um, his newborn, I think, he was at the airport. He was holding his newborn, and he was crying uh, because obviously he was he had to say goodbye. Um, and so that so that picture went viral because it just showed selflessness. It showed uh, compassion all in one and courage uh, all in one. Uh, so because that 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 person was you know saying goodbye to his newborn uh, in order to go to war and fight for his country. So it showed all all of these elements, and so it went viral. I think because people love being part of that um, so these really are the, are the secret ingredients and of course you can't always have posts that go viral and people go on social media and they're like how do I get my post to go viral it doesn't work that way it's not it's not even something that you plan you never usually plan it to go viral it just happens because it has all these ingredients at the right time now did this post was mostly visual or did it have text on it as well both, but I think what was it didn't have to have text. I mean, even if it didn't have text, it said a story. I mean, you know, it was worth uh, a thousand words that picture, if if not more, because it, it didn't need a caption. It 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 just said it all. It said it all. So mm. I'm pretty sure without text, um, the the post would have 
gone as viral as it did anyway. Mm. Now, have you, you probably have given some thought to what you think is the future of social media? Because it is transforming so fast. If you had to encapsulate, maybe give a couple of things that you say would characterize what you think the social media of yeah. tomorrow is yeah. going to be, yeah. Well, there's two things that I see happening. So uh, one thing is I think the, the people are going to be doing the best on social media, the people who who uh, leverage the paid advertising platforms. I think that social media is going, it's, it's already starting to become a pay-to-play platform, but I think we're going to see more of that. So more social networks are going to incorporate paid advertising options there. So we're going to see more of that. So more pay-to-play it's going to become more pay-to-play uh, social networks. So that's one thing that I'm seeing happening. It's already happening, but I'm going to see more of that. And also, um, it's going to be integrated with more things. So you're going to be able to make purchases straight from social networks rather than using third-party tools. So right now, you know, you need to go on other pages and, and complete a payment, usually through PayPal, etc. So I think they're going to in- incorporate merch, uh, you know, online merchants on social networks where you're going to be able within the social network to buy straight away. So we're going to see a lot of e-commerce being incorporated into social media. So that's uh, one thing that we're going to see. And and it's already started. I mean, we we can see the writings on the wall. On on Pinterest, you've got, you know, viable pins where you can buy whatever you see straight from the platform through viable pins. So uh, we're going to see more of that. also going to become an e-commerce platform like eBay and Amazon where you can buy straight away, you can list a product and get people to buy it without leaving the network. Mm. But you see more of that. And also it's going to be incorporated with other things like Skype, for example. I'm not surprised. It's already you can, uh, you know, through Messenger on Facebook, you can message people and have one-on-one conversations, live conversations. Um, so we're going to see more of that, obviously. But then I'm not surprised if it becomes very similar to Skype where you can actually call people straight within the social network rather than using other tools such as Skype, for example. So uh, all of this we're, we're going to see. I'm trying to think of um, trying to think of other things, but I, I think I've uh, covered pretty much. No, those, those are great. Uh, actually, right now we can, right? With Facebook, we can call someone on, <coughs> excuse me, do a video call. Yeah. Right, right within Messenger. Now, what do you think of YouTube? Well, look, video is, is taking over. So more and more people prefer consuming information through video. So I think that video is, uh, YouTube is here to stay because video is here to stay. And, and video is going to get bigger and bigger. And YouTube belongs to Google. And, and it's pretty hard um, pretty hard to pull it down because it belongs to Google. So it's definitely... Uh, if anything changes, it's just that it's going to become much, much bigger. I'm glad you said that because I really love it myself. <laughs> now, are, are there any new emerging platforms that maybe people, it's not even on someone's radar, but that people should explore? There always is. Um, there's a lot of social networks that are starting because um, they, as a, as an answer to you know Facebook and Twitter etc that sell our information so there's a lot of networks that are starting uh, as a response of what Facebook is doing which is selling our, our data to uh, to advertisers and a lot of people are disgruntled about that so a lot of networks are are emerging that you know promise to never share uh, your information your personal information with advertisers so there's not one right now that has emerged successfully yet, uh, but there could be. There could be one day. Is there a name, any name that of one that you particularly like? No, I don't use any of those. I tend to go with uh, the big ones, the established ones. I haven't really explored uh, the other ones. I tend to use the networks that everyone else uses just because, you know, uh, we make a lot of from paid advertising so going to and using niche and uh, niche social networks uh, wouldn't really do us any good personally for what we're trying to do cool uh, what do you do for fun uh, I work <laughs> um, <laughs> I, 
I do that, and it's quite fun. Uh, a few things I like doing. Uh, one is uh, I love reading marketing books, believe it or not. Sounds very nerdy, but I love learning new things. Like um, uh, I love going to bed and I knowing that I've learned something new that day. So uh, I love reading marketing books. I bring them along with me and read them uh, whenever I can. So that's one thing I do. And I play piano for fun. I'm not very talented, though. Um, I don't have a very good ear. Uh, but I am. Uh, I do play piano every single day. I think it's a form of meditation for me where I can switch off my brain and just try and, and play piano. And, uh, and also I'm pursuing my, my passion, which has been a, a long dream of mine with, with adoption. It didn't really take the shape of adoption, but it's fostering, so actively involved in that and uh, and getting hopefully inspiring people to do the same because right now right now in Australia there's 40,000 children who are being abused or neglected that need foster carers they haven't been given up for adoption obviously but they need um, they need a safe uh, safe shelter to have a, a proper childhood so it's 40,000 of them in Australia so I'm pretty active in that area Wow, that's wonderful, and how diverse. Now, in, you said piano. Is there a particular kind of music that you prefer? Well, I'm actually taking exams, so uh, I found that taking exams was the only thing that was going to motivate me to keep on learning faster uh, because I kind of had deadlines. So uh, I'm taking exams, and the exams are basically classical music, although it's not my favorite type of music. Um that's the one I, I have to learn. So that's what I'm doing with piano, classical classical pieces in order to uh, pass the exams. Cool. Do, do, do you like jazz? Uh, yes, I like jazz. Uh, I, I find it quite tricky to play on piano, though, uh, because it's quite fast, and I'm quite a slow player. So it's not the best for me, but, yeah, I definitely enjoy it. Now, I love that you talked about your love for books, because my next question is, what is your favorite book, or perhaps the one that you're reading right now? It's hard to choose, because I, there's so many books that are just amazing. Um, I like marketing books, so the one that I, I read that I really enjoyed was Changing the Channel. So it's, um, the title is Changing the Ch Channel, and the subtitle is 12 Easy Ways to Make Millions for Your Business, and it it shows different marketing channels, channels that you, you would never think of that work really well. And the whole book is about telling businesses not to use, not to just bet on just one marketing channel. You can leverage several marketing channels that all work hand in hand. So it was quite an eye-opening uh, book for me because um, I tend to use just online marketing channels and I never considered using offline marketing channels either. So uh, that book um, is one of my favorite ones. Who's the author? The author is Michael Masterson. Now, it's interesting you began with a favorite quote. Can you repeat that quote and perhaps give us another one that you love? Well, I'm a big fan of Robert Kiyosaki. In fact, some of the first self-help books and wealth creation books I ever read were from him. Uh, and that really changed my thinking. Uh, and all the principles that he shares like, have kind of followed me through my career. So the, the first quote that I mentioned was, losers are people who are afraid of losing. So that was uh, one of my favorite quotes. And, um, and sometimes when I'm fearful of something, when I'm reluctant to try something, um, then uh, I, I tend to remind myself of that quote. And um, and then the, there's other ones. I mean, there's so many. But um, he says another one where he it's it's basically you either earn or you learn, and that's true. I, I used to beat myself up if I had you know made an, taken a risk in in my business and lost money, and I would beat myself up about it. But um, looking back, I just thought, well, I actually learned a lesson. I probably didn't earn, but I definitely learned. And that's so, all. Uh, is is that also Kiyosaki? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I just bought his game, uh, Cash Flow. Do you play it? Yeah, we have it here. In fact, we played it about three weeks ago. <laughs> I just bought it. In fact, I haven't even cracked the seal on it. I oh, just. Oh wow! It's amazing. 
I know. I, I've, I have played it with other people, but now I have my own copy. Where do you see yourself in five years? In five years, I think I will be much more involved in the whole fostering aspect of things. So I've just uh, put my feet at this stage with uh, only just applied and, and waiting for the approval. I think I'll be much more involved in that. And of course, I'll, I'll still be running the companies, but hopefully uh, my goal is to not be uh, working so much in the business. I'm, I'm actively involved in, in all the companies now that we run. Hopefully, I'll be able to take a step back and let the companies run uh, without me, hopefully, so that I can be more involved in um, in fostering and and helping these 40,000 children right now who, um, who unfortunately, um, yeah, are not as blessed as I was as a child. Mm. That's, that's a wonderful goal, and I'm sure you'll get, uh, you'll achieve it, and you could even... Perhaps you're probably even thinking of selling some of your businesses. Yeah, that is uh, one of our goals for sure. Mm. How can people contact you, Karina? Well, um, on my website, so socialmediaworldwide.com, there's a contact form there. Or um, through social media, so uh, Social Media Worldwide is on Facebook as well and uh, on YouTube as well. So, uh youtube.com forward slash social media worldwide is uh we release a a a training a social media training every 10 days so uh, when people follow me they'll also be receiving social media training every 10 days so we we teach the latest stuff about social media what's working what's not working etc that's great because i've actually before you mentioned uh people should be studying social media and i was going to say where should they be studying it besides with you yeah, well, uh, there's a lot of books out there. I'm a bit reluctant to tell people to buy books because, you know, by the time it's being printed, the, the information tends to be obsolete because social media changes all the time. Like, sometimes I, I record a training and then I go to edit the video and by then, you know, whatever I've shared, you know, is obsolete. You know, so, uh, so I wouldn't advise people to read books about social media just because it changes all the time. Uh, so always look for training that's you know, just being released. Usually, you're most likely to find the latest information. Right, that's good. That's a very, very good tip. Any final thoughts that you'd like to leave people with? Well, I think that um, if if they want to grow their business on using social media, uh, they have to understand that it's it's a long term commitment. So it's not something that you you do um, you know in one day and it works. You know, it's not like a, a TV commercial. It's something that you have to keep on doing consistently. Uh, it's uh, success comes from consistency on social media. So you'll you'll rarely see you'll rarely see uh, you know one-off success on social media. Something that you build over time. Uh, it pays back hugely, but it's definitely something that you need to do consistently. Thank you so much. You have given enormous value. It's really been a pleasure talking to you today, Karina. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is one of the joys of uh, what I do. That's why, to me, it's not work. It's fun. Storytellers, thank you once again for spending time with us today live. Remember to pay this forward. Let people know that they can hear this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at changeyourstorypodcast.com. And on that website, you all can download a free gift from me, an ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life in Business. It will transform the way you communicate personally and in your business life. Also, remember that many books were talked about in this show and that we have a sponsor called Audible. You can download one of your favorite audio books for free and have access for one month to all of Audible's service at www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. Karina offered many valuable nuggets. I'm going to focus on one for you to think about in the next week. She mentioned earlier on about asking the right questions. For instance, 
if you're thinking of a new venture and you're a bit hesitant, you may ask, what if it doesn't work? However, if you ask, what if it does work, you will get a totally different kind of answer. And that answer will be one that will empower you. Think about this, especially if you're thinking about reinventing yourself. Begin the entire questioning process by asking, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.